0: Like, the backlash was going hilariously crazy in the comment section. Because just, like, you had Tommy and Kimmy still together. Uh, They paired, like, Chucky with Lillian. And just, like, all this other stuff. And then it's like, you just see Susie... With three little kids and no man standing right behind her, so I just come. First of all, if any of these kids kids are going to be a single mom, it's Angelica. Let's be yeah. expeditiously for real. Right
1: now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, do not to purpose. say that you know she can't keep a man. Maybe it's by her no, own
2: rules. <laughs> no, she can't, and we all know it.
1: She would have to marry someone that was similar, like to her dad, because she's very similar to her mom. She needs someone that she could like walk all over. I think.
3: And we are live with another episode of the Keeg Talks. Today, the Keeg Talks Black Characters in Fiction, which sounds repetitive every time I do it. Uh, All characters are fiction, right? I guess. Um, But I'm your host, Demetra Pereira. We are here to talk about this. Uh, If you're watching us live, you can watch... Watch us on twitch.tv slash thekeegshow or youtube.com slash thekeegshow. Or maybe you're listening to the podcast, wherever you get your podcast from. If you're watching us live, uh, you can see who my awesome guests are. If you can't see us live, let me introduce them, because you can't see them. First, we got newcomer to the keeg, first time guest, Um, but I'm a big fan of her horror content. We got Bree, aka Bree Hearts Horror. Bree, how you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Doing good. Um, I love your content, even though Thank I you. get scared with horror.
1: <laughs> I feel like that's hap- happens a lot with people who follow me. Like they want to just see me talk about horror movies, but not necessarily maybe watch them yeah. themselves. Yeah. I'm the I'm the
3: type I get scared really easily. So then I'll just go on Wikipedia and I'll just look up <laughs> like movie plots and I'll be yes. like, okay, so that's what happens in Nightmare on Elm Street. Cool. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and then like maybe ever so often I'll watch like a clip on YouTube of like that mannequin being pulled through the window <laughs> oh, at the yeah, end yeah, of yeah. nightmare. Um, so uh, I'm glad that you're on here. Um, Thank and you. I'm glad that we could uh make today work.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. Uh,
3: we also got uh Ninja Turtles fan, just uh Avatar fan, which I just found out right now. We got Johnson, aka Johnson is lovely. Johnson, what's up? Hi.
0: I wear a lot of hats and I'm a fan of a lot of things, but I mean, yeah, Ninja Turtles is the thing that I'm most known for over on the socials. But fun fact, I actually got my start on TikTok doing Avatar The Last Airbender fan castings. Not too many people actually know that about me. So if you you spend a solid half an hour scrolling down my page, you'll find those old videos there because I never deleted them.
3: Yeah. (laughs) Quick question. Have you thought about which Ninja Turtle is which element? Oh, I absolutely have.
0: I'm fairly certain I've done a video about that. But I mean, uh, I said, uh, Leonardo is water. Michelangelo is air. Donatello is fire. Hot take. And Raphael is earth.
3: That is a hot take. That's not what I would have. I would have thought Raph was fire.
0: That, there's actually one thing about it. Because like, obviously there was like a, a really big thing where Raphael was kind of like playing with fire in the 2012 show. But before that, Donatello canonically could bend lightning in one of the Ninja Turtle video games from back in the day. And it was one of the coolest things that I've ever seen in any media format.
3: (laughs) Okay. All right. That's making me think a little bit. But okay. I'm going to have to think about that one. Uh, George. George was nodding his head. We got George T. GM Time. What's up, man? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me back. Yeah, were you were you nodding your head with the with Johnson's Avatar? I was a thousand
2: percent thing? because I think if you just think of like their personalities, especially like um, the hard headedness with the earth bending and like exactly the
0: Raphael and Toph are the same person.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and when you think about like uh, the, the fire bending, isn't just rage, but it's also that passion and having that you know that inner fire not just the rage so you're like
3: okay all right i can get
2: there well,
3: yeah and i can buy that electronics is fire mm-hmm. you know um almost even mythologically speaking all right okay. anybody
2: who says mikey's not air is, is, is just a liar
3: i think yeah mikey's definitely air <laughs> yeah uh Bree, air you... surface
2: cowabunga <laughs>
3: what what'd you say
2: it says surfing on air and like staying in Calabunga.
3: Oh, for sure. For sure. Bree, are you a Ninja Turtles fan?
1: Um, I sadly have never really like watched a lot of it. Um, I know there was like a one, like a movie that came out last year that I heard was really good. So I do want to check that one out, but I don't know anything past like their names, to be honest, sadly. I feel like I would like it though.
3: Yeah. I That's we funny. did We did a whole show about that. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, not too did, long ago, didn't we? On, yeah, on the uh 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 Mutant Mayhem that came out. Um, um. I want to talk uh I mean, the subject of this episode is just black characters in fiction, but I want to I want to rewind the clock a little bit into back uh uh when you guys were kids growing up. Now, I grew up in the 90s and 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 I'm just speaking from my own experience uh sort of on the outside looking in. Um uh, 90s were a little bit different 2000s were a little bit different um but w- were there shows that stood out to you guys uh either shows or characters like growing up that really spoke to you um uh, on that level
1: um i know for me this isn't horror related but i loved um sister you don't, have, sister. To stick,
3: you don't have to stick to okay <laughs> um, <laughs> you do you yeah. okay yeah
1: uh sister sister was like a huge one for mm-hmm. me. um Like, I because I, a lot of people when I was younger said I looked similar to Tia and Tamara, which I don't necessarily agree with. I think we just both are light skin and have curly hair. But it was kind of cool because I did feel like I saw someone similar looking to me on television. So I love that show and I loved those characters so much.
0: I- I was rewatching clips from that earlier and shout outs to Jack a Harris because she Mm -hmm. carried that
1: that show Yes, for the longest time. Yes. I loved that character so much too.
3: I remember, I remember sister, sister um, and Marcus. Mm. Classic next door neighbor trope with sitcoms. George is a big sitcom person. And their brother was
2: in um, my, uh, in Smart Guy. Oh, know, so yeah. That, 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 that whole family was, was representing. And honestly, when you said uh, sister, sister, like it unlocked like a whole category of show. Cause like I had written down like all these examples of like black characters in my childhood. And like that whole genre of shows that I don't want to, it felt like were specifically marketed to black kids.
1: Like, you know what I
2: mean? Like like you watch Sister Sister, you're like, That's for us. You watch Smart Guy, oh, yeah. you're like, That's but my brother and me, Cousin Peter, like there were all these shows. Um, but at the same time, I feel like uh, and I know negatives a little bit later on, but it felt like those were different than I wanna say like gen pop shows. Like like if you're watching my brother and me, you're 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 a black kid and that's that's for you and the language that they use. But maybe you're watching, I don't know, like I want to say all that, and they was like, "Oh, there's Keenan and Kell for us." Yeah, and that, that mm-hmm. those are the ones for us, and or or you're the best friend. You're the black best friend, like Gerald or Vince mm-hmm. from Reset. Mm-hmm.
3: By the way, I, I said Marcus. I meant Roger. Go home, Roger. For oh, yeah. because That's Marcus you're Houston doing. played it. Is like, yeah, you can understand
0: what you meant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So for so for me, uh, you know, kind of springboarding off of what George was just talking about. Because, I mean, I was right there at the cusp of the end of the 90s and at the beginning of the 2000s. So it's kind of like a like a happy medium, you know, like between kind of the generational shift. And for me, it was one of those things where I look back at like a, a lot of those characters like Keenan and Kel, who were a huge influence on me. And, you know, just how like they really kind of shaped the comedy duo landscape, because, you know, without them, there's no Drake and Josh. There's no Zach and Cody in terms of that style of television show. So to kind of kind of bounce off of what George was talking about, I was like, yes, those were the black shows, but they were really like they were really kind of testing the waters and really, you know, like laying down the foundation work for, you know, what would go on to fortunately or unfortunately, depending on which way you think about it, be, you know, the bigger, more successful shows uh it was like later down the road in terms of, you know, figuring out what worked and what didn't. I was also a big fan of obviously, you know, Living Single. I actually just finished re rewatching that show. For Uh, a couple of years ago and just falling in love with those characters all over again was fantastic. I'm going to stick to just this one section of this show's universe from a different world. It was a spinoff of the Cosby show. We don't really need to get into that. Say like the, you know, like, like the original show or, you know, anything like in regards to that, but that universe is like with those characters being focused on black education, going to college And, you know, just entering the next step of that transition period between, you know, adolescence into full-blown adulthood. Some of the best characters I've ever seen. And, uh, yeah, Cree Summer was in that show, too, for a lot of people don't remember that.
2: Cree Summers was in everything. Like, like the list of people that I was ma- making, I was like, I,
3: I just put everything Cree Summers. Because Absolutely. It was everywhere. Cree Summers did a lot of voices. Uh, George, what were the what were like what are some characters that Cree Summers did?
2: Well, she did like Susie from uh Rugrats. She also did, I think her name was Miranda on As Told by Ginger.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, she did, yeah.
2: Yeah, she, she she did a lot of them. She was also, and the reason I brought her up, she was also Freddie on A Different World, one of my childhood crushes by one. <laughs> she Can't did a lot of them, like I have from
0: Codename Kids and X, Explor- yeah,
2: yeah, number five. Yeah, she 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 did a whole lot. Um, one of the other things uh, was um, so so and and I forget your name is it John Johnson Johnson. Sorry, sorry, I'm, I apologize. So um, he had brought up like you know more you know grown up shows um, like like Living Single and things like Different World, and especially as a kid, uh, as a black male. Kid, there were a lot of uh, characters on TV. Like it was, I'll say, rare to see like a black man in like a very strong position, and so they really stuck out. Like Jordy LaForge or like Eugene from uh the show The Practice was like a very strong black man who like domineered Like he, uh, I I just remember him sticking out because it was his intellect. Like he was better than everybody else, and it it wasn't because he was like gang dealer. It wasn't because he, yeah, he was big and he could have hurt people, but he didn't. He, Use used the law. He used his brain. And Dulé Hill from West Wing. You know, characters like that where they weren't the stereotype, but they were still very strong. And also Jon Stewart. Um, obviously Jon Stewart. <laughs> the Green Lantern.
3: Yeah, it's funny that you say Jon Stewart because there's Jon Stewart, Green Lantern. And then there's also Daily Show with Jon Stewart. <laughs> um, Very funny yeah. anecdote. Straight up, no lie, I swear
2: to God. Me and my wife had a three to five minute conversation about Jon Stewart and we were talking about different Jon Stewart. Yeah, that's <laughs>
0: and, that's
1: amazing. And we're, and we're
2: just having this really casual conversation and we're driving and we're talking about how much influence he had on the medium and how much of a groundbreaker he was. <laughs> and, 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 and we were going on and on and I was like, yeah, yeah. And a lot of people, like they talk about his predecessor a lot, but I really thought he paved the way. And I said something about like African-American and my wife was like, <laughs> and I was like, Yeah, he really paved the way. I I I really looked up to him as a black man. she's like, Why? What, what, what about cause she's white? She's like, What <laughs> like she's trying to broach this subject <laughs> and be like, is this some sort of connection between black people and John Stewart that I don't get? And I was like, Yeah. And <laughs> uh, I, it, it, but it wasn't until I said he wasn't invented till 1970-something, and a lot of people don't get that. She was like what do you mean by invented? Like, do you mean born? And I was like, you can look at it that way. He's the first black creator. She's like, hold up,
3: <laughs> that that people don't talk about that when it when it comes to interracial relationships. People don't talk about the fact that you guys could be talking about two different John Stewarts, you know. Yeah, and that's a big hurdle for interracial yeah. relationships.
2: There's there's like these little cultural things of like I'm like, what the f is a pierogi? She's like, what?
3: yeah i i don't even know i can't even what is a pierogi
2: she says she's told me lots of times it goes out of my brain every single time i think it's the white people dumpling but i don't
3: know oh okay What well, yeah yeah i don't know okay I think um, it's out of
2: potatoes. i'm gonna get canceled for saying that <laughs> um
3: we i mean we we mentioned uh 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 you know the cosby show in a different world and and whatnot um There's two '90s shows that stand out to me personally is Family Matters and Fresh Prince. Of course. Um, Do you guys have strong feelings about either or?
0: I have strong feelings about both. Mm -hmm. And uh, actually, no. Go ahead, Bree. You about to Uh, say
1: something? um, I've never fully seen Family Matters, but Fresh Prince, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I feel like that show is just beloved by everyone regardless of like your race like I think it's just one of those shows that just everyone can find something that they like about it and so yeah I mean I love that show
0: yeah springboarding oh. off of that it definitely yeah. transcended you know being you know that one black show to you know being you know just one of those just like beloved it's like classic it was one of those beloved classics in general and I mean it's really crazy to think about when you specifically said. Uh, Dimitri, between Family Matters and, like, in The Fresh Prince, because, I mean, mm. it's just, like, between Will Smith, the character, and, you know, Steve Urkel, those were probably, you know, like, the two biggest... It's like, there was a, like a definite cultural shift in terms of perceptions of Black people on between what cool and what funny could be in terms of watching those two guys on TV, and it's like, you know, we gotta give hats off to both Will and Jaleel White in terms of what they really were really like were doing by i think because they were both trailblazers yeah
1: and i was i was gonna say too i watched this like multi-part documentary about sitcoms because i also really like sitcoms and the history of them and okay. i remember in it they were talking about like carlton kind of being maybe one of the early like black nerd type of characters and how he wasn't just like you know maybe a stereotype of what people thought black guys were supposed to be like um and obviously carlton is one of the, like the most outside of maybe like Will, one of the more like well-known characters from that show too.
0: Carlton low-key carried the second half of Fresh Prince <laughs> of bel air <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah. He has a dance, like, and, and
2: they said on Ted Lasso, uh, he, he did like this whole uh, soliloquy about it. He was like, all around the world, if anybody is doing this, you know exactly who it is, you know what they're doing, what
3: show it's from, everyone.
2: <laughs> he's like, no matter where you are around the world.
3: He, here's- I wanted to add to that is that don't tell Fortnite that because Fortnite won't accept it because Fortnite, <laughs> Fortin, I don't know if you guys know about this controversy, Fortnite did an emote of the Carlton dance, but they wouldn't pay Alfonso Ribeiro any money because they said, it's wow. not the Carlton dance. You d- prove to me that it, it's your dance. And he Great. lost in court because I guess Bruce Springsteen and uh, 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 what's her name? Uh, um, Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox did the dance in a music video, which is where Alfonso took it. But it yeah. really reached everybody through Carlton. Yeah. And yeah. Fortnite was I mean, like, Fortnite we don't Fortnite know
0: has had a, Fortnite's had a history of doing that because there was like a really big guy on social media whose dance got appropriated in that game as well too. I forget the original creator's name, but I mean, he did the whole thing to uh, take on me. It's like where it's him and a bunch of guys just like marching down sidewalks and they're all doing the same dance movement.
3: <laughs> Is it Marlon Webb? Was it
0: Marlon Webb? It might be. Like I said, okay. the name just like really escapes me for like for right now. So I apologize. But I mean, just like, uh, like un- understand that was like, Fortnite's been doing that for a hot minute. And... Fortnite
3: takes a lot from black culture and they don't pay the right people. Like the Millie Rock, like all those dance moves. And they're like, nah, you don't
2: own it that's a corporation do. <laughs> yeah one of the things one of the things i wanted to bring up though about like family Matters and uh fresh prince that i noticed that they did um and earlier i brought up like how there's like this whole categories of those shows where like they're like black shows and it's it was one of the few shows where like if somebody was like oh family matters people wouldn't think it's a black show how i I always make this joke or say this thing like if there's two black characters and they're not related, like people are like, up oh, that's a black show. If there are two characters, black characters on there, and it was a shock when Winston and Coach were on the same show and it was a black show <laughs> because. And I, I also make the joke that's why they had to get them both off because it started becoming a black show. That's the end you there. With with CC, people are like, mm. but like I feel like those two shows were able to transcend that fact where people were just like, oh, that's a family show. What's uh, Fresh Prince about? Oh, that's a family show. Same thing with the Cosby's. We're like, oh, it's about a family because they were able to hit that zeitgeist and and, and put our culture out there and say like, hey, and and I think they did a big job of normalizing. Now, there's also that other side of maybe, I don't want to say creating a stereotype or maybe boxing in people like, that becomes what a cool black guy is or that becomes what a nerdy black guy is and we all have to fit those, but kudos to them for putting it out there and and, and at least making it to, to regular culture. Right?
3: There's there's something I want to point out, and I want to know you guys' thoughts. Um, George, you brought up a good point about if you have multiple Black people on a show, it becomes a Black show. But there's also this added thing of what I call, maybe there's a better name for this, the Flintstone vitamin theory, which is what I have. So Flintstone's vitamins, when they first came out, um, like each vitamin was a different character, and it was different shapes, right? But they either had either only betty or only wilma um and i forget which one it was um and i'm trying to like find the information on it but they only allowed betty or wilma one or the other because they looked too similar you can have I dino you dino's a dinosaur shape wilma and betty are both women shaped so you can only have one so what i call the funson vitamin theory is that you have to have all these characters look different right on a show when you're creating a whole cast problem is uh, mainstream America uh, considers like every white person to look different but considers every black character to look the same so you can have like all those like guy brunette guys that are on American Horror Story that all (laughs) look the same but they're different enough that they can all be on the show but when you have two black characters, they look the same, so you can only have one vitamin. So
2: that's why Big Bang Theory only has Raj. Yeah, that's so why Big Bang Theory has Raj. They don't have a black guy because if they had a black guy, also they'd be like, "Whoa, whoa, We have all these very different white guys. And you're like, <laughs> I but,
3: could, you know. I can also imagine certain parts, certain people in America being like, "So where in Africa is India?"
2: And in fact, I, I think it was i think it was last year I made a video about Raj on Big Bang Theory and not liking him. And I think you remember, Dimitri. it was like a whole nasty thing. And I think it was actually you that, I, and you could correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was you that commented was like, because I think I said something like, oh, I don't like that, or, you know, they could have at least had like a black character in passing or something like that. And I think it was you that was like, I'm kind of glad they don't have a black character because they would be horribly racist to him the same way that they are to Raj. And we could see Howard making fried chicken jokes. You know, or like like gang violence jokes that were like, well, maybe we don't need
3: that. Maybe we don't need that in Big Bang Theory. Big Bang Theory could not tackle race whatsoever. Um, and I don't know whether they'd be making fried chicken jokes with a black character. They would do something wrong. But I, there, there was a weird way that the cultural zeitgeist deals with different racial groups and how they make fun or how they're allowed to make fun publicly. Yeah. I'm sure, if we
0: punching look, I'm sure if we look back at enough Big Bang Theory episodes, we'd find a, at least one episode of one of those characters uh, disguising themselves in an overdone 70s afro, which is like, you know, the epitome of, you know, making fun of Black people's features. Yeah. <laughs> without, you know, like immediately pointing it to skin color or be something else that's physical.
3: Yeah. <laughs> um, with that Flint's Bone vitamin theory, uh, I want to uh, transition to character archetypes because when it comes to, uh, when we bring up Carlton and Urkel, what I think works really well with the characters is the 90s really started to be like, well, the only way we can expand our view on all the different types of characters uh, that that can be represented, um, you, you have to have like the, the full, like the Fresh Prince and the Family Matters to completely expand what we think of, let's just say black characters, right? So like Carlton and Urkel are two completely different nerds and they're not confused with each other. You guys get what I, I don't know whether I'm saying that correctly, but like only through the over, like the saturation can we explore all these different types. Otherwise there's a jock, there's a nerd, and they all like are very one note, but like in the nineties, we kind of started to see more of a expansion on that. Someone has to
0: break down the door so everybody else can run in before they close it.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. In fact, you no, know it's funny. Um, I made, I made a video on uh, Hey Arnold and it'll talk about like where they would be in the future. And I said, Gerald would be like, you know, uh, um, you know, a rep a publicity manager for like podcasts or something like that. And somebody was like, well, what about athleticism? Like, you know, being an athlete because, you know, he, he does athleticism and stuff like that. And I was like, I liked that on Hey Arnold. Like, yeah, Gerald was seen to be a good athlete, but the more prominent thing was him being a figure to me. And I don't want to put them in, in, in that box of like <laughs> separating him from Vince LaSalle, from, from Reza, you know, where Vince was like, that was his identity and that, that, that's what Vince is good at. But Gerald at least got two things where he was like, yeah, I'm, yeah I, can, I can make the ball swish, but also poetry and being able to um, storytell
3: was that Gerald? Yeah, that's thing? really crazy. You... I I didn't remember that.
2: Yeah, he was he was the storyteller. Whenever there was like a kid that they needed to tell a story about, like Sid would intro would give him the intro, and then he'd be like, the story of the stoop kid or the story of the pigeon <laughs> man. Like that was also his thing.
0: Yeah. yeah, they borrowed a lot of beats from like kind of like those black exploitation films with how they would always like, let me rap to you real quick. Cause you know, yeah. hey, Arnold was kind of set in an urban environment like that. That was a really cool point. And bouncing off of that, that was you, how you were talking about how that commenter said that about Gerald to you. That made me think about that viral post that happened where somebody drew the Rugrats like 20 years later, like into adulthood. And there was this whole thing that happened. There was a lot of controversy about it. Because out of all the Rugrats, they freaking drew Susie Carmichael as a single black mother. And it was just like, it was it was absolutely insane. It was like, like the backlash was going hilariously crazy in the comment section. Because just like, you had Tommy and Kimmy still together. Uh, they paired like Chucky with Lillian. And just like all this other stuff. And then it's like, you just see Susie. With three little kids and no man standing right behind her. So I just come first of all, if any of these kids, kids are going to be a single mom, it's Angelica. Let's be yeah. expeditiously for real,
1: right? Now. <laughs> yeah. And uh, don't say that, you know, she can't keep a man. Maybe it's by her no, own she can't.
2: choice. <laughs> no, she can't. When we all know it.
1: She would have to marry someone that was similar like to her dad, because she's very similar to her mom. She needs someone that she could like walk all over, I think. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um brie question for you were there any like black women characters like growing up that like really stood out to you
1: um i was thinking too while we were talking about um well i was talking about sister sister but even like because i was born in 94 so i kind of was obviously younger in the late 90s and so i think i can't remember when sister sister came out but i would watch like reruns mostly but growing up i also really loved that so raven um because well for a couple reasons i love that show because the cast obviously was majority black and it was kind of funny because it was like an inverse of how it usually is with like there was like a token white friend (laughs) instead of like the token black friend with like chelsea um and also appreciated that they had a whole episode about racism um and had the the white character also trying to understand like because obviously she can't relate to her black friends what it's like um and along with that, too, because I was, like, a big Disney channel kid, I also loved The Proud Family and how that was, again, also a very predominantly Black show. Um, and so, like, those two shows, I think, especially, like, when I was around, like, six, seven, eight, whenever they were on, were very important to me. And, like, I gravitated towards them, for sure.
3: Yeah. Um, That's a Raven was super funny.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And, like, my sister and I would always be... <laughs> my sister would do this like freeze frame, like looking into the future. Uh. <laughs> and I would pretend like I was the camera and I would like do like a 180 and then go into her eye. Mm-hmm. It would just be like the funniest thing. Uh, Raven Simone was really good in that. Um, and I wish she did more comedy and like got more roles. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like I wish, wish Jaleel White got more roles after C Virgil. I think Jaleel White, I mean, and, and, and Raven obviously are great comedic minds. I thought Julio White is like, was one of the best comedic minds and could have done so much more. Like he, I don't know. Am I allowed to <clears throat>
2: ask a question or bring a question up? Yeah, the other yeah. People? Cause like um, something that Bree had brought up was like them, them doing an episode on racism. <clears throat> and I wanted to see how like, you guys felt about like a racism episode on a show. Like that shows would do, especially in the 90s and 2000s, because to me, I feel like they were very hit and miss. Where either it would be like there was no in between, either it's like yes, are you guys taking notes? That that's how it be, or it's one of those eye roll, like that's not what it looks like. No white kid's gonna walk up and like kick over your chair just because you're black, (laughs) you know. Like they would they, they would have certain episodes where like maybe there's a very, very overt white kid who like you're like, well, we're not really facing at at ten years old, I'm not facing clan level racism, but you know, there there are types of discrimination. So I don't I don't know how you guys feel about like the, the very special episodes that they would have. I or even now
1: I feel like well, just thinking about the that's a raven one, because I have recently been rewatching that show again. So like that one's kind of fresher in my mind. I do feel like that episode I mean it's very like I think what's the word like very like hand holding you through it, but it's also for kids, so like it makes sense, but I do think that that episode, because it is just focused on like that very real racism that does exist when you're trying to get a job and they just you know they can't they can't outright say they're not hiring you because you're of your race, but like that's what happens in the episode um of that So even with the racists. um Store manager or whatever, but uh, I do feel like that episode because I did rewatch it not that long ago. Like, I do feel like it has aged pretty well. Um, and it doesn't feel like just too far off from like the realism of a situation like that, in my opinion. Um, I but I do think that like if I went back and rewatched some sitcom episodes and like special episodes, that a lot of them are not a lot of them, but some of them just. I think they probably tried, but I think it also has a lot to do with who's behind, like who's writing Mm -hmm. the episode too. Like if it's a racism episode about like racism towards black people, if a white person's writing it, like obviously they can't really experience something like that. So it may not come across as genuine as if like a black person wrote an episode like that.
0: Yeah. And if I could springboard off of that, uh, going off of what recent, who's in the writer's room is a very big, important key factor into that. And also, it's just going back to what you said earlier, George, about how, you know, sometimes things can be maybe portrayed a little over the top. I feel like that sometimes is done intentionally because of how often gaslighting plays into, you know, kind of letting like the racism get played off for like a laugh or, you know, not be taken as seriously. Because you'll look at it as like, like you let it's excuse me. Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Got a little too excited. But it's one of those things where you look at it and it's just like, yeah, no, it's like, you know, like not, you know, like dumping a drink or like food. I was like on a black person's head in lunch class. But I mean, it's just like it can be something very akin to (laughs) that. It's like you kind of need those extreme visuals to kind of pull people in and really kind of nail the point home. But for me, the one that always stands out to me that I always go back to because I always see viral clips of it is the Static Shock episode from its first season. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that is uh, honestly one of the best ones that was ever done in my personal opinion because it's just like, it's the context of, well, what does a generational gap in terms of racism actually look like? And so you have Virgil who's best friends with Richie and everything seems cool because we've been introduced to Richie for well over 10 episodes at this point, And just like, we have this connection to that character just like Virgil does. And so when we take it out of the context of Virgil's lens, and put it under what is life like at Richie's home, and just like, you can cut that tension with a butter knife, and it is, I mean, it was a very sad thing to experience through Virgil's eyes, because he didn't want to believe it at first, he's just like, come on he's like, your dad's just, about to say, like, it's just being a hard ass, sorry if I can't really swear like that, but, uh, no, I mean, that's so, cool. and that's a, like, that's a relatable thing because, I mean, just, it's like if you, say like, if you have, like, that more strict black parent growing up just like you like you like there's a lot of things that you can kind of internalize and then be like well that's not it's like i'm not reading too much into this because i mean all parents are like that right but then you just start feeling those more those microaggressions building up and then you finally hear richie's dad snapping off about his kind yeah and that's what makes virgil leave. And then shout outs to richie though for being you know it's like the one to break that generational curse within his own family and stand up to his mm-hmm. father in that episode because that is also something that, you know, more people need to kind of see in terms of having those tough conversations and like really kind of breaking down those barriers.
3: Yeah, quick quick synopsis just for anyone uh, who needs to fill in the gaps. Virgil is static, staying over to his white friend's house. Richie is his best friend. He's white. And so Richie's father, also white, has a problem with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I remember that episode. Um, I remember that episode uh, uh very specifically. I remember the Family Matters episode where and I, I was I still remember this for as uh as a child, Eddie uh the the son of the family drives in the wrong neighborhood. Yeah. And Carl Winslow, Eddie's father is a cop. Chicago, it takes place in Chicago. So Carl is a Chicago cop and pretty high up. I think he's like a sergeant or something. And mm-hmm. uh, two white cops, one who's like a veteran white cop and the other one is a, a, a young new rookie, uh, pull Eddie over for being in the wrong neighborhood and they, uh, they arrest him, I think. And so Carl- They arrest
0: him and they cuff him.
3: Yeah. And so Carl at first is like, what did you do? Because Eddie also had like, Eddie made mistakes. Nothing Eddie. bad. Eddie was not bad. Um, and Eddie goes on later and becomes a cop. But um uh Carl really can't wrap his mind around like this bad cop. Eddie must have done something wrong. And uh at the end, there's a, oh, a great scene where Carl confronts the cops in like a diner. Um and you can find that online. It it's still it's the the problem is it's still a thing, right? Yeah. It's been thirty years. Yeah, they, did, they did an episode like that on Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah.
0: yeah, I am sorry. Gotcha. I, I, sorry,
2: go on. I was just gonna say that um, some people thought uh, you know they had certain things to say about it. I thought that was a well done episode of, of Brooklyn Nine Nine as uh, as a black cop, and um, not only did they have that, but they had a you know there's the the seminal episode with uh, Terry Crews's character getting stopped in you know, he's not dressed the way that he is and lives in a nice neighborhood and they grab him. But there's also one where, especially in season eight, where they just laid out like the, the barriers that somebody faces in order to stop a bad racist cop where there was an incident where somebody, you know, was arrested and it was like clearly it's it, it racism. And then like one of the high chief of police just outlined point by point by point why they were like, nobody's going to do anything about this racism because this is how the system works. <laughs> and, and I like how blunt they were about it where they were like, yeah, and, I, and I'm one of the good ones. Like, and they kept saying that to the episode. It was like, yeah, yeah, I'm one of the good ones. Like, don't say that. Nobody likes me to say that. Later on, the lady explains everything. She's like, and I'm one of the good ones. And the girl looks over at him. He's like, I, I hear it. <laughs> yeah.
3: Um, I just created a little graph. Um. Uh, the problem with the very special episodes is almost like intensity on one like axis and pointedness on another, right? There's like, they try to go too small or try to go too large, or it's not pointed enough at the actual issue. It's more like some people just don't like it when other people look different. And that's not pointed enough. That's, that's and then, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine going very pointed sometimes also turns away certain people who don't want it to be as pointed, you know? Um, So it's very interesting that you guys um, bring all that up. Um, uh, What was I going to say? Let's talk about characters you do like from any time period. Cause I want to hear, I want to hear about the characters that really resonate with you guys. Um, my, my, just real quick, I love Storm. I'm just throwing that out there. Storm to me is, I love Storm.
0: That's cool. If like we're gonna talk about from any time period, this is yeah. gonna be a really weird one that nobody's really gonna expect for me to say from my brand. Yeah. And the character has just recently been reintroduced as Black, or like it's officially been confirmed after all this time but I'm going for the character of Betty Boop. And so for those of you unfamiliar, Betty Boop is a old black and white cartoon from the Rubber Hose animation era. You can find a bunch of her old shorts uh, bizarre like, out there on, like, on the interwebs. She's like one of those classic cartoon icons. She was like really well, like one of the foundation pieces. Like before Bugs Bunny, this is like, it's, like around the Mickey Mouse time. Like just like, like Betty Boop was one of those people. Like, and they've made several parodies of her there's a parody of her in that show drawn together that came out in the 90s that uh that a lot of people have like a really big cult following about but i say her because one they've just reintroduced the betty boop character and brand as a broadway show and she's being portrayed by a black woman in the show which is really astounding to me and i have a very personal connection to betty boop because my grandmother that was her favorite fictional character of all time and i remember going to her house she had this glass display case filled with all of these little Betty Boop vinyl dolls, miniatures, bobbleheads. Like, one of like the like one of the first times I was ever introduced to somebody with, like, a fixation about something was my grandmother, and it was with Betty Boop. <laughs>
2: That's adorable. I like that. And like, just me being me and having to look everything up all the time, ever, like, I have my computer in front of me, I typed in Betty Boop Black, and it was like, yeah, the issue is, like, she was in black and white, and, like, but she was supposed to be based off somebody who was light-skinned, so that, if you only have the color black and the color white to draw a character, you know, it's going to look like Betty Booth. A light-skinned person
3: looks like Betty Booth. I was like, oh, all right. America, American, just American culture in general has this fascination with the binary, of course, but Mm -hmm. also binary when it comes to race. And it's, it's, uh, generally speaking, for the longest time, it's like, There were two races in America, white and black, and like, that's it. And even when you take colorism into account, like how light can you get before it becomes white, you know, Uh, and things are way more complicated back then, but they didn't address it. But then they're addressing the complications now. And we see that because Johnson, I thought you were going to bring up April O'Neil.
0: Oh, I mean, April O'Neil is definitely also up there. Please don't get me wrong. Really, honestly, I can say April O'Neil and the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because they are canonically black in the Power Rangers crossover. Shout outs to Dan Mora and all of those guys. But yeah, I mean, so trying to choose my words wisely here. So it was never officially confirmed by Eastman or Laird if April was supposed to be about say a black woman in the original Mirage comics. That's a, all we know is that it was potentially adapted. It was like April's design was potentially based off of Kevin Eastman's wife at the time, who I believe was biracial. I still can't get confirmation on that. I remember reading that somewhere, but that article has mysteriously disappeared every time I try to go back and fact check myself when I say that. But I mean, watching the evolution of April O'Neil throughout the years and how we hit 2018, and there's this drastic change to her character design and rise of the TMNT, and subsequently now her immediate next interpretation in Mutant Mayhem slash Tales of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and we've seemed to have gone for what you know what most people will just call you know just like the woke check or the diversity check, but I mean April O'Neil is one of those characters where it's never really factored in or mattered one way or the other because I mean it's like her whole thing is. She's either the news reporter or she is an employee that works for Baxter Stockman and she meets four talking turtles. And that could literally be anybody. And I have no problem if they you know, want to just like continue to explore April O'Neil through other ethnicities and give other people a chance to share their experiences with intros. But I'm definitely happy for right now in terms of uh, the black representation that we get with her, because shout outs to Catherine Graham, who voiced Rise April. Honestly, a top two interpretation, and not two, in my opinion. And also, shout shouts to Iowa Debris, who is the uh, current April O'Neil proper.
3: Iowa's been killing it, by the way. Oh my
1: god! Yeah. I love her.
3: Yeah. Um. Uh, Bree, were you gonna? Were you gonna say
1: something? uh Well, just thinking about like characters. Uh, I was thinking it's kind of like. Not random, but because uh, I don't talk about video games really ever on my TikTok because I don't really play a lot of video games. But one character from a video game that is really important to me is from the Walking Dead game, specifically season one, the character of Lee, who is like the main protagonist. Um, <laughs> and also Clementine, which is what my other cat's named after is the little girl in that game. But um Aww. yeah (laughs) but lee i like remember playing that game that's the only video game i've ever cried over because like spoiler i guess if you haven't played the video game like lee dies at the end of season one and i remember i just loved his character because i think at the beginning he's like he's going to jail for killing the husband or the the guy that his wife was like cheating on him with or something like that so he's kind of like the first time we see him, he's, like, a criminal. But throughout the whole season of that game, you see that he's just misunderstood and a very, like, caring, sweet guy so that when he finally gets bitten by a walker and then dies, it is so devastating. And I just... I fell in love with that game because of that character. And so, um, I don't know. I I just love him. And I love, like I said, Clementine in the game, too.
3: Um, Do you guys have... uh? any experiences with video games and playing, you know, characters that, uh, you know, I guess the default video game character is white, but, you know, George. So here's the thing and not to
2: veer off on your question, but when re brought it up in my head was shouting the fact that there was a TikTok that I saw a very incredibly long time ago talking about main characters that you can relate to or something like that. And in my head, it was something like, I wonder how many main character video games, and I play a preposterous amount of video games. I don't talk about it on my channel because people get nasty about video games. That's the only reason why, as much TV as I watch, I play that much video games, just to bear in mind. And I <laughs> had such an incredible amount of time. He's laughing because of so much TV I watch. <laughs> um, I had incredible amount of difficulty finding a black main character on a video game. Like, it was, inc- like, I'm going to Google, like, roll up my sleeves, Going into Google to find, I can find lots of characters. In fact, um, ones that I can very deeply relate to, black characters, so they are there. It's just having that main black character, which I think is a shame because you know, when just like any medium, you you play it, you experience it because you want to be able to have it relate to you. Um, I was playing Final Fantasy, I think it's 14, no, uh, I, I think it's like 14, or, no, it's 13. Um And one of the character saw it, uh it, it's a whole thing. His little kid was like frozen in it's like block of ice, and that's why he was going on the mission doing everything and I was playing it with my son, and he was a little he was a little kid too, uh and my kids, even though they're biracial, they have that biracial fro, and like at the very end, his son comes like you know with everybody else that got freed and he's coming back and like looking at his dad and with arms open, I look over at my son, he has a little fro and like put, and like the tears were just flowing were just slow, and I'm like that's the kind of experience that black people I don't want to say that black people are looking for but like to see characters that you can see and relate to we want to see that on screen um but again the the amount of black characters that I have like, main characters on a video game is criminally low. it is criminally low. I, I
3: I can't overstate enough how seeing that representation is so important mm-hmm. and like as a kid yeah as a kid i didn't have that uh i guess the i i related to urkel <laughs> and like i would like that w- that was my thing but it, it just uh, the severe lack of representation in 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 all that media was rough and like
2: it's to get excited when you see a black kid on the screen you're like oh it's <laughs> I mean, it's it's honestly, you
0: pretty- know, honestly, any brown character in yeah. general, because, I mean, we were talking before the show a little bit about how, you know, sometimes it's just like you just like see somebody and you just kind of immediately associate them as, you know, whatever there's like race, like or ethnicity, like you closest identify with. And honestly, like I've, you know, fallen victim to actually, you know, misassociating certain fictional characters as certain is like ethnicities. I mean, it's like, I always say, you know, oh, thanks for educating me. I didn't realize that that's who they were interpreting that character as. Because mm-hmm. just uh, like uh, in Rise of the TMNT, April has a friend by the name of Sunita. She's a, what they call a yokai, which are like the mutants of their universe. But uh, mm-hmm. she is, it's like when she puts on her disguise, she gives off the image of, of an Indian woman. But I was like, I just saw, you know, another like dark skinned teenage girl. And I immediately assumed she was black certain video game characters. Like I'm a big street fighter guy. There was a yep. street fighter uh, EX crossover that happened back in the nineties. There was a character in that named Duran. He was a giant, big muscular Brown dude, but I didn't even realize that he was supposed to be from the middle East. Just like, cause I just like, I just saw his, those but it was like a big Brown guy. and I just assumed he was black there as well. And, you know, just sometimes, you know, like that token spot, you know, they'll swap it out now from the token black friend for like the token Indian friend. We've seen that, you know, before, in representation, not as you know prevalent, is like or as popular that we would like to see in like the Big Bang theories, or you know a little bit better in you know shows like Phineas and Ferb with Baljeet, and yeah, so which is still kind of, like, used as sensitive. an
3: online online slur. Like I remember when I popped in on TikTok like back uh, 2020, 2021, people would pop in and just comment Baljeet, and they'd be like, "Oh wow, okay. you know that's great." It's just, it's the the weirdest thing. But it sucks because the creator of Phineas Ferb, like somebody asked him about that. Like, why did you make Baljeet like this, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, I didn't mean anything by that. And I think it's like, it's a combination of a couple of different things, but also like people will take whatever and make it bad if that's their intent to make it bad. Even if it's a good character, you know?
0: I say, were any of you guys on TikTok during the whole Nightskins incident?
2: What's the night? Skins? Oh, with the moon or whatever. It was like, uh, like with the moon. Tony
0: Weaver uh, Junior. Like somebody like tweeted something, and they were referring to black people as night skins, and so he took that. and was like night skins is way too cool of a name to be used as a slur, and then so black people for like the next month on TikTok were just like repurposing it, <laughs> making memes about it. They were establishing lore. That was one of the that. better moments, like circa uh, 2022 TikTok unforgettable
1: moment um so going back to kind of what you said about like how important representation is I feel like the term like representation matters sounds so like I don't know sometimes it sounds very like overused and cheesy but like it really is I think an important thing and like it one of the things that frustrates me so much is like if a movie comes out specifically speaking about horror movies because that is like my main thing that I do and watch and talk about but Like, if a horror movie, especially if it's, like, a reboot or something like that, if the cast in the original one was, like, majority white, which is largely the case, specifically with, like, old slasher movies and stuff like that, which I watch a lot, if the reboot cast is more diverse, whether that's black, Asian, you know, brown, gay, whatever, all of a sudden it's, oh, this is just woke. For some, for, like, a, not majority, but, like, a chunk of people, they're just instantly, like, oh, this is just woke, I'm not gonna watch it. When really it's like people, there are fans of horror specifically that have gone through decades of horror movies and don't see themselves on screen. So it is nice when you do see someone like my favorite franchise is Scream, but that franchise up until recently has been largely white. I still love the movies, but whenever Scream 5 introduced Mindy and Chad, the twins, um, I... Specifically, like I loved Mindy because I felt like she, first of all, loves horror movies. She looks similar to me, or I look similar to her, and she's in my favorite franchise. And so, she automatically became one of my top characters because I was like, "Oh, this is like seeing myself in a screen movie."
0: Hey, Brie, can I ask you a question really quick? Yeah. So, as kind of like the was like the resident horror fan on this show right now, not to say that you know that anybody else a little like doesn't like horror here. How do you personally feel about, you know, this new kind of subgenre where it's like featuring more predominantly black casts in in these horror like films, but they're more of a commentary and kind of deconstructing what specifically black horror kind of means to the landscape versus, you know, just giving us a more traditional horror film that just so happens to have a predominantly black cast, Uh, you know, for example, you know, like the get outs of the world. Uh, what was that other film that just came out? It was came out last year. It was kind of nope. a parody. They were playing. They were playing the video. Oh, game. the blackening. They were like the board game. The blackening. blackening.
1: Yeah. yeah, yeah. And they
0: had you know all those like different subcategories of different black people you see in mm-hmm. media. How do you feel about that?
1: um I love Jordan Peele as a horror director. Like Get Out. uh It was actually the seven year anniversary yesterday for Get Out. um But that's one of my favorite horror movies and. I remember seeing it in theaters, like it was like a packed theater. And so like, it was, it was just like one of those really great theater experiences where everybody's reacting to everything at the same time. And everybody's just having such a good time. And I loved his movies. Like I think um, the blackening was probably one of my favorite movies in general last year. And it was like one of those situations again, because it was made by black people behind the camera and the writing or writing it too. I felt like it just felt like it was, I mean, it's a movie for everyone, but I also felt like being a Black horror fan, like there were things in there that I, specifically I could appreciate that maybe someone who wasn't, isn't Black doesn't necessarily appreciate in the same way, if that makes sense. Like there were just certain jokes and stuff like that. Um, there was a whole scene where like, they're trying to like name Black people that have been on Friends. Uh-huh. And as someone who does like Friends, it still was like a hilarious joke because like there's not a lot of diversity on that show. And it was just something like, I don't know I just was able to connect with that and my mom and I we watched it together too and she loved friends but she also thought that part was funny because it's true and again it was just like I think you can tell the difference between a predominantly black horror film that is made by black people versus a horror film that has black people in it that's written by someone who's not black
0: yeah that's I awesome. I know you thought we were on break there sorry, sorry
2: I, say, I, George I was being smart. I said, "Now I want to know what her thoughts are on the we were on break thing."
0: Oh, that's funny. <laughs> but like going back to what I was uh, saying, I had a sim- very similar and shared experience with my uncle, who I watch a lot of movies with, and uh, we actually had a very hilarious bonding moment over Scream Five, one of your favorite films, Bree. And it was the scene. It was like it was at the house party, if I'm remembering the Scream movies correctly. And it was when Chad's at the time girlfriend was trying to get him to sneak off so that way they could go fool around or whatever. But, you know, this is like right towards the end of the film when like everything's about to pop off and go off like at this party and people are going to start dying. And he is like, we just watched Chad, like he's making out with her. He's like, well, actually, I think I want to stay down here, you know, where all the people are. And we were the only two that audibly busted out laughing. Mind you, we were the only two black people in that theater. And yeah. it was just, you know, just one of those hilarious things, because I think it was uh, Kenna the Mouse Slayer on mm-hmm. TikTok. Mm-hmm. She had brought up that it's like the intersectionality of what it means to write horror for black people. And, you know, about to say just like the things that we find scary is like in reality versus the things that white people specifically find scary are in the abstract. And I just really kind of wanted to kind of highlight that and bring up this about to say, like, just kind of that talking, point. so thank you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And also just like another quick, like a character, like a movie I didn't watch in childhood, but I watched a couple of years ago was the people under the stairs, which is written and directed by Wes Craven um, and more of his like lesser known, I guess, horror movies, but the main protagonist in it is a little black boy and there's like commentary on like race and like class and stuff like that. And I just remember like Wes Craven's my favorite horror director in general, but I just remember thinking like how cool it probably would have been, you know, to be a, cause I think it came out in 1990. So it was before I was born, but to be like a little kid, a little black kid and be a horror fan and see this movie where there's a person that looks like you. Uh, because I mean, I can't really name that many horror movies where the main protagonist is like a black child. So it was just, that movie is just really cool to me. And, you know um, the fact that it was also, like I said, written and directed by my favorite director. It's just, I always like to, highlight that one if you know anyone ever asked me about like some of my favorite black horror characters because I think that one just like I said kind of stands out a little bit but it's also a little underrated I think
0: how'd you feel about my soul to take
1: (laughs) uh it's definitely not my favorite it kind of makes me sad that's the last movie that he directed or wrote rather before he passed away because I don't think it's great but you know
3: um How do you guys feel about the idea that that uh, they used to perpetuate essentially saying like representation isn't needed because we can just have all white casts because everyone can identify everyone can identify with white people, but not everyone can identify with black characters. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, there's only one Black Ghostbuster, um, and we can talk about, we don't need to dive too much into it, he's the only one who's not a scientist, um, but he was written with a more expanded role until, when they meant it for Eddie Murphy, but they cut it down when it was just, um, um, Ernie Hudson. Ernie Hudson, what, I was, yeah, um, so when Ernie Hudson got cast, what's up i said i got you (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. no for some reason i was blanking because ernie hudson looks very similar to my dad and in my head growing up ernie hudson has always been like he was on heroes and like like when he dies on heroes i'm like oh no there's that added level of like connecting to a character that like maybe looks like people that that uh uh you know that you're close with and for i guess anyone out there I, i'm a non-black person of color so like it's not an exact thing with ernie hudson but like my dad clo- looked closest to ernie hudson growing up and that was what we, i saw
0: i can't believe we've been on here this long and haven't talked about the trope of you know the black person being the one that dies off first we had like a whole discussion about horror movies and that's kind of crazy
3: i mean how do you It comes to mind, right, when we're talking horror, which is a little bit different now than it used to be. Bree, do you have, you have thoughts?
1: Um, yeah, I think it. it, it that's what, that's kind of what was really funny to me about the blackening is like, I think that was the tagline. It was like, we can't all die first. Um,
0: yeah, beautiful.
1: <laughs> yeah, which is like, yeah, I mean, because literally the entire cast, I think, except for like a cop character is literally all black. So it was like, yeah, what's going to happen? Um. But I do think it's, it's, I th- I think it's getting a little bit like better. I think there's, because it's like, there's so much acknowledgement about like that stereotype that, oh, the black character dies first, um, which kind of, this is kind of related, kind of not, but like, that's why the character um, Carla, and I still know you did last summer played by, played by Brandy when I first saw it as a young kid, like, even though, like, I don't think I had the like understanding of that stereotype that black characters always died first, but the fact that she um ends up surviving the entire movie at the end was like insane at like to me at the time like I was convinced that she was dead and now that like I'm older and I'm looking at the whole genre I'm like that was kind of like a pretty in my mind a big deal to have her character live at the time that movie came out I know it was only like 1998 but still like again that wasn't really like happening a lot I feel like especially in slasher movies which is usually when we see these characters getting killed off or just being like a side character that's literally just there to be killed off or playing like a stereotype or something like that, like the sassy black best friend or something. Um, But I do think that because again, the more we get people who like are black behind the camera, writing, directing, whatever, there's more of a chance for them to write characters that can survive throughout the entire movie and aren't just kind of there to be disposable.
3: LL Cool J Deep Blue Sea. That also comes from, <laughs> right? Doesn't he live till the end? It's been a while. I get scared.
1: Also, uh Yeah, now that you said that too, I was thinking um Buster Rhymes and Halloween Resurrection. He also lives to the end. Oh. Um, which makes me think about this whole like thing, which I always think about, which is funny, this like time where all these like rappers and hip-hop artists were just like popping up in random slasher movies I just think it's we gotta like...
0: talk about uh somebody help me with omarion and marcus houston bringing that back then what happened think... what was that oh there was like a horror movie it was like a teen horror movie type of thing and it's like you know because like Omarion and Marcus Houston, they're kind of like red man and method man of R&B for those of you who are kind of missing the cultural context in that. And I mean, we mentioned Marcus Houston earlier talking about his roles on Smart Guy and Sister Sister. But yeah, I mean, just because we're also talking about this was post, I believe this was post you got served, which was like, you know, the thing that kind of like made them household names, at least in terms of being black famous. And so, just watching them, you know, do this horror movie, and then you know them surviving at the end, which is kind of crazy to me. They even yeah. got a sequel, which was also very it was like it was like baffling to me.
3: Does it does it tie into the fact that like back in the old days, like when you died in a slasher movie, it was become because of a sin, right? Essentially, it was like you had premarital sex, you were doing drugs, or mm-hmm. in in a black character's, uh, you know. Uh, in, in that case that i guess the sin of not being white that i like think the, it also
0: plays into it plays into the perpetuated stereotype and idea that black people just kind of lacked certain cognitive functions and abilities to be you know perceived at least on camera as smart as white people so it's just like pure. you already have he's like you already have like the physical prowess and advantage in terms of you know maybe natural born athleticism or just better well not better just good genetics from your suppose, like own family and so they got to kind of nerf you in terms of making you not as smart
3: yeah
1: and um there's also a really good documentary called um horror noir that kind of talks about and explores black horror movies and just like from you know the early black horror movies to like kind of i think it came out like 2015 maybe somewhere around there um so I don't know. I always like to recommend that one if you kind of want to know more about specifically Black Horror um, because I think it's just really interesting and it kind of touches on like how things have changed and but also how there's still like space obviously to improve.
0: Could you say the title again, please?
1: Yeah, it's Horror Noir. I th- think it might be streaming on like Shudder, which is like the horror movie app, but it might be somewhere else too. But yeah, it's it's really good and interesting.
3: Oh, Horror Noir, History of Black Horror.
1: hmm
3: Okay. All right. Um... yeah i i think hmm. no i got nothing i'm with you um no 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 uh okay are there let's 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 hit something um that i wanted to talk about and that's um race swapping where where people get very upset when you take a character in a reboot and you make them a different race than what was originally written um when they make jimmy olsen black suddenly there are a million jimmy olsen fans out of the blue who would have known you know um uh let's start there um you guys have any uh recent examples of race swapping? I know Johnson specifically like <laughs> April O'Neil <laughs> and you know the argument of whether it was race swapping or not or what was originally intended or not. And, you know? I don't know what the most recent controversy is. I am trying to think of like what happened, what's happened.
1: Yeah, that's what I was gonna say
0: little mermaids definitely out there i was actually just having a conversation with a friend of mine about that movie
3: (laughs) let's let's talk little mermaid we we did a podcast episode on little mermaid when it came out um um, and and you know we touched on it and whatnot but but let's talk about the little mermaid controversy let's keep it pointed
1: Mm. yeah i was gonna say it also kind of oh sorry
0: no please
1: i was gonna say it also kind of reminded me back when uh spider-man homecoming came out and they cast zendaya as mj and people kind of lost their mind over that because she wasn't a white girl with red hair and even though they were like her name's michelle like it's not the exact same character but people still like were so upset by it
3: i mean let's get it out of the way she is she is mary Jane. She's just not called Mary Jane, but like, she's a Mary Jane variant, right? Like she (laughs) is, she's Michelle Jones. I hope, there's, I hope they don't do like, like in the MCU, suddenly a white Mary Jane shows up and he's in love and it's like, I hope they don't do that. I don't think they would, but still. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's, and that's not even a race swap. Yeah. People People don't realize, people point out like, oh, why can't more superheroes be like Miles? Like, we all love Miles, but what people don't realize is like, I was reading comics back when Miles was introduced in Ultimate Spider-Man. Peter died. Peter Parker died in Ultimate Spider-Man, and then Miles took on the mantle. People hated Miles. People... Like the amount of love Miles has now is the amount of hate Miles had back then. Like it completely switched. For what? They hated on two fronts. They hated it on two fronts. They didn't want a a woman being Captain Marvel. So when Carol Danvers moved up. And they didn't want Kamala Khan being Miss Marvel. (laughs) That that's the thing about Captain Marvel himself, the original Captain Marvel Marvel. Marvel didn't have any fans. That's why they they killed him in like the seventies. <laughs> yeah, that that yeah. Um, do you guys do you guys do you guys hear about the changing redheads and making them black? The conspiracy.
0: It's just hair. <laughs>
3: Taking roles away from ginger actors.
1: I didn't hear about that, but it doesn't <laughs> surprise me, sadly.
3: There's a whole conspiracy. Like to like, why are all the race swapped characters ginger characters that are then changed to black? Um, I do think there might be a social like a sociological nuance to it, but not the way like the conspiracy is, is that like essentially black actors are taking ginger roles and where's the representation in that
1: i uh it reminds what? me of like a joke i saw though a while on twitter ago and it was like basically talking kind of similar about that and they were like calm down like redheads you still have chucky as your representation and i always think about <laughs> that
0: <laughs> i'll say the doll or chucky finster <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah that's true oh hey, double yeah dose. which Everybody chucky were you runs. talking about brie I was talking about you know the horror one, of course. Oh, but yeah, I, was I mean that's Chuck true. Chucky Finster, Chucky e. Finster. Yeah, that's also a good one.
3: Yeah. Um. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um... I said, like that sounds hilarious.
3: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, people don't also point out the fact that, like, how many actors dye their hair red?
0: Exactly. Like actors like...
3: stealing the roles of gingers.
0: Exactly just like let's take a look at you know every single who say like German, Dutch, French or English actor that's you know portraying you know about to say like these Irish people or these like Scottish people like mm-hmm. that that traditionally have I'd say just like these just like redheaded features
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you guys have favorite black uh, superheroes?
0: I mean, Static is definitely up there for me. Rubber Band Man is also up there for me. I mean, this is pretty much just going to be me kind of glazing the entire Milestone universe. Yeah. This uh, about to say like with that. I was about to say you know like like not trying to like really show DC favoritism like that, but I mean those were the characters that really like I saw. First, in terms of like motion uh, media, animation, and movies, is like we've been talking about Jon Stewart literally this entire show. And I mean, like, being introduced to Jon Stewart as the Green Lantern, like, I was so confused as a child when I got to the comics. I thought that Hal Jordan was black. And so is like, and people were just when people kept telling me Hal Jordan is really like, oh, why did they change his name to Jon Stewart in the Justice League cartoon? That seems really weird. And then I actually picked up a Justice League comic book for the am like, oh. There's like an entire core and then there's several people with this title in that.
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. I am not like a super big superhero person. I love Spider-Man though. I've loved Spider-Man since like the Tobey Maguire movies. Um, so honestly, I'd probably say like Miles Morales. I love both of the, um, what are they called? The cartoon, the movies that, movies yeah. that came out. Yeah. Spider-Verse. Yeah. I yeah. love both of those. And I love that character. Which is why, like, I don't know, when I saw people getting really mad about he's not really Spider-Man, I was just like, I don't understand, like, he is Spider-Man. But again, like, you know, it is obviously something to do with white supremacy more than anything else when it comes to stuff like that. But, yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
3: Oh, Blue Marvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: Uh to be fair, Mr. Terrific's also an Ola- Olympian athlete, just so you know. He's just great. yeah he's gonna be he's gonna be in superman legacy coming up yeah uh echo kellum Did you ever see the sitcom with him and Dakota Johnson and Nate? What was it called? It was, uh, it was two, it was two names. It was like blah, 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 and blah, blah about the brother and sister. Yeah. Um, I once saw a panel with, with, with the Arrow cast and somebody uh, asked Echo. They were like, hey, how do you, how do you braid your hair so quick between, like your, 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 your secret identity form and your Mr. Terrific form. And he was just joking. He was like, I just hit up kid flash to, to, to run <laughs> in, do my hair and run out. He was like, Oh, okay, cool. I thought it was funny. Ben and Kate. That's right. Um, yeah. yeah uh i saw season one i didn't get to see season two i haven't seen it yet yeah um are there are there really current like any anything current right now that's that's out that you guys uh that really resonate with you guys like george was saying grand crew even though it got canceled
0: that sucks. Uh, I, yeah. Last year, I was a really big fan of the. Uh, I can't remember if it was last year or the year before because wow, what is time? But of uh, the Gran Turismo movie, since we were also talking about vi- black video game characters earlier, I mean, the Gran Turismo video game is historically just a racing franchise, like a driving simulator. But I mean, the entire plot of it was set around this black racer who plays the video game and then gets picked up. By this company as a publicity stunt to actually race in a grand prix. And I I this is I promise you, the concept of it sounds really ridiculous, but this is one of the best video game adaptation films really of the last 10 years. Because it's just like it starts off, you know, very as expected, kind of B tier, just like but then it gets really real, really freaking quickly, and just like the immersion of all the driving scenes blew my mind
3: <laughs> i i skipped it i i
1: i saw the trailer i highly and I was recommend like, that hey.
0: you spin the block on it dude okay. go back and watch grant turismo
1: <laughs>
3: right. you
0: will not be disappointed
3: okay
1: all right um one thing last year it's kind of like it's not like full horror it's like i would say like horror adjacent but uh it was like a limited series i think it was on amazon prime swarm um it was like co- how was that It was good. I loved it actually a lot. I want to rewatch it again, but it was co-created I think by Donald Glover who of course did like Atlanta, which I also love that show. Um, But Swarm, I specifically with horror movies and just in general, I just love movies where women like the main character is a woman and like, they are allowed to just be completely insane. And that's pretty much what the main character in Swarm is. She's just crazy and like a murderer (laughs) and Dominique Fishback, who plays the main character in that is so good. Like, it's a shame that she didn't get any real attention in the award season for her performance. But um, I think it's like eight episodes, something like that. But that was something that was really, really good in the last um, year or so that I've seen. Um, And I like to recommend it if people Mm -hmm. haven't seen it.
0: Yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about, but like, I haven't watched any of it yet. But I have seen the merchandise for it, and I want to grab some of the black characters. Yeah. Have you seen My Dad, The Bounty Hunter? It's an animated series on Netflix. I don't know if it got picked up after its first season or not. But, uh, I mean, so basically it stars the guy from The Boys who plays Mother's Milk. So he's an intergalactic bounty hunter, but he also has to take care of his two kids for the summer. And they accidentally end up uh, sneaking onto his spaceship when he tries to just like, hey, I need you to watch the kids for a couple more weeks. I'll be back. And then I'll have them for the whole summer. I probably have to do one last mission. And so basically, it's just like this really fun space adventure family bonding thing between this black dad and his daughter and son. And it's just it's and the fact that it's set, you know, in the outer parts of the universe, and we get to explore that. There was such this breath of fresh air in terms of this, like these kids allowing themselves to be kids. Because there is no. All right, we need to have this conversation about how you, as a black child, need to act in public. We're on a freaking planet where there's cyclopses and people breathing fire and spitting acid, and so it's just like, best I say like, so like these kids just got to be kids and they didn't have to be black kids in that show. And it's a very, it was a surprising delight, and I highly recommend it for anybody who hasn't watched it. Hmm.
3: Have you guys watched Atlanta? Yeah, yeah, I
1: love you guys Atlanta. Finish
3: it. Hmm. I fell it, off. I got to get back into it. It it ended wild, like
1: yeah,
3: that final season where they would just do little short films as episodes.
1: Hmm. Hmm.
3: Yeah. Um. What about the?
1: Yes. Abbott yes. Elementary. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think it's just something that's just, like, it because I think it it just appeals to a lot of people. Like, they can relate to it. And also, like, all the characters, even though there are more than one or two Black characters, they're all so different, and they're not really, like, any specific stereotype. Like, they're very different from each other, which I think is cool, too. Yeah.
3: I think the only way to really showcase how different characters are let's just say black characters and then through black characters black people in general right uh uh let's just say non-white people in the broader scope because white representation has been there since however long um is having like all these characters you have to like increase the volume of the characters out in media to be able to show like how each one is different um winston and coach are two different characters in new Girl. I was afraid they were going to make them the same when I watched like episode two, when they switched them. And I'm glad that they weren't, they weren't sure what to do with Winston. Yeah. Cause that's happened before, right? That's happened before when they recast a character. I mean, I don't know if Terrence Howard, Don Cheadle counts, but like, like it's the same character, but like, Well Don that's Cheadle act- says he's like he's like it's me get over it right doesn't he say it like that I mean that's I literally
0: w- that's literally what happened in terms of how Don Cheadle actually went about getting that role because there was an executive named named Ike, Ike Pearlmutter and they were doing that whole thing where it was just like they brought it up to him like in the board meetings just like he's like it's like well what what's the, what what is it going to matter like no one's going to be able to tell the difference
3: <laughs> Ike Ike was an asshole And I'm glad he's gone um, from Marvel. Um, He was the one who said that Black Panther wouldn't sell. That Captain Marvel and Black Panther wouldn't sell. Black Panther was a phenomenon. Uh, Ah. That's all, I mean, Yeah.
0: And that's why DC fans are punching
3: the air begging for a new static project. <laughs> I mean, I there needs to be a static something. But not with, J, not with not
0: with Jaden Smith. Honestly, honestly, Jaden would be a much better Aquaman, in my opinion.
3: Okay. All right. I've never heard that before.
0: Yeah. I'd say Jackson Hyde, Calderon. Okay, I'd say that, just yeah. like the, that like, yeah, just, I mean, just like he's got the look, he's got the swagger. He has a very, i say just like in the fact that from young justice, Calderon, he def I mean, in the earlier seasons, he has that very more demure, poised, sophisticated way that he just like talks about things. Jaden Smith really presents himself just like that to the public eye when he does step back into the, like into the spotlight with whatever he's, Like presenting and touching and he just has like kind of like that otherworldly presence to him almost. So I feel like it's kind of an actual is there. I don't know how he really feels, you know, about, you know, like being like in the water like that. But I mean, just like in terms of when he had his locks, I'm just like, if you dyed them gold, he was already kind of halfway there. (laughs)
3: John Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. Um as we as we bring this episode to a close, um uh, I want to thank you guys so much for for coming on this. I don't know if you guys have any final thoughts. Uh, this, this is not a subject that could be wrapped up in a podcast episode, right? You know, whole, I don't know. You wouldn't even need a whole series. You need life. This is just life. Um, do you guys have any final uh, thoughts? Um, characters you like, characters you didn't like, just thoughts about the overall uh, idea of representation, anything really uh, that you wanted to close up with?
1: um i just want to say from the horror perspective that i i always get excited when there's like a horror movie coming out even if it's something i'm not actively interested in but if i see that there's some diversity behind the camera or it's a diverse story i always want to try to check it out and so my hope specifically for the horror genre is that they continue to have more diversity more representation behind the camera you know, I mean, like I said, I'm, that's why I love Jordan Peele and I think he's doing really great work right now within the horror genre. And I hope that continues, but I also hope other people are able to get opportunities to, to tell different stories um, because, you know, it's just nice to see different perspectives and, you know, again, I think it is, I don't want to say better, but it is more of an authentic experience if something is written by the person that has experienced these things and has lived in that, or has existed in that community, if that makes sense.
3: Yeah. Anyone else? Yeah. Oh, Klingons. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's weird. I think Klingons were, like, originally Russian, uh, like, like, uh, um, allegories. Like, each of those other races were, like, like China, I think, was Romulans. I don't know. Anyway, the point. Yeah, yeah. But now they I mean they brown faced all those white actors back in the those days. Um Skeeter from Doug. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say cousin Skeeter, because I loved cousin Skeeter, but he's who's arguing that he who's arguing that he wasn't black. <laughs> uh Um, Puppets aren't black. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just a side note that I just wanted to bring up is when people draw human versions of the Lion King characters, but they're white. Simba, Nala, like, why? Why? What are they? I don't know. It irritates me. Ralph, Ralph
0: Fiki. Ralph Fiki. that is <laughs> Ralph Fiki is nasty. Word. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> that caught me off guard. I'm sorry. Uh, but um, if I could chime in before yeah. we finish up, uh, uh, sorry, getting my composure. A wise person once said, I'm rooting for everybody black. So in terms of black stories, best like in the writer's room, black stories behind the camera, Black stories for Black characters. I mean, I'm here for it all, and especially for the representation. Uh, you know, not just, you know, for seeing yourself on screen, but, you know, just in terms of the other spaces where that translates to, like merchandising. Because a little, you know, big thing about myself, I am a, I'm an action figure collector. Obviously, my Ninja Turtles collection is, you know, my biggest and most pristine thing. But I also have an entire subcategory of Black action figures that I call the culture set. And it's gotten to the point where it's just like, I'm running out of certain black characters because they just haven't been making them so i had to take the liberty of making them myself like this is a custom samuel l jackson from the film coach carter because this is one of my favorite films that he starred in that's like i painted this using a nick fury body that's cool so i was just like yeah if you go go back and google it's just like this is a mace windu head from a star wars figure And then yeah that so that's what i do in my free time
1: that's cool
0: if, if Thank you.
3: yeah i never thought i would ever see a coach carter action figure
0: now now you have and you can check it out on my instagram page at johnson collects because that's what i do
3: awesome awesome cool. um i want to uh just like real quick talk about how um not talking about i just want to mention as I'm watching Avatar, whatever people think about Avatar, I mean, we're going to do a podcast episode tomorrow on it, but, like, the fact that, like, like Avatar, the cartoon and the live-action thing explore, like, this, like, almost, like, East Asian, but also indigenous cultures and, like, representation through that. I like the idea of just stories moving away from a European medieval times. That's just a thing. Like, I'm tired of knights in shining armor. Like... There's all the, that like Shogun is coming out. There's Avatar. There's also the animated series Iwaju, which takes place in a futuristic Lagos, Nigeria, and like that's a Disney animated series coming out. Um, and the idea there's also like,
0: a series about Hannibal that I believe Denzel Washington is attached
3: to. Which Hannibal? Uh, the one that invaded Rome. Oh, the one who went on the elephants through like yeah. the Himalayas. Okay. Denzel Denzel first. is playing Hannibal. <laughs> What'd you say? <laughs> well, I thought I thought um Hannibal. Um Hannibal Lecter. Hannibal Lecter, yeah. <laughs> thanks for thanks for reading what that was. Um Hello, <laughs> but like I want exploration of other cultures and other things and like Iwaju looks like Um, I hope it's good because that's the type of stuff like Black Panther was that Afrofuturism and like Iwaju looks like it's going to be in that like subgenre which is cool you know Hmm. what's the what's the show with Schmidt and Cedric the Entertainer um what's it called in the neighborhood I keep seeing clips and like like it looks cool but I feel like Bob love uh Hart, Abishola and that show did not have good like trailers or whatever for the series so I never gave them a shot
1: okay okay cool cool cool
3: um i want to thank all three of you so much for coming out uh on this episode uh and and talking with me and talking to others about um um, your experiences your thoughts your opinions before we get going where can people find you what do you got coming up do you have anything to plug right now is the time johnson you want to go first
0: Sure. I mean, you can find me at all social media at Johnson is lovely. Like I said, I also have a secondary Instagram page called Johnson collects. I do a lot of stuff, you know, around Black History Month where I show off the culture set, which is my black action figure collection. Um, I say I'm also a, mus- a part time musician, full time creator. So it's just like also just check out the YouTube channel. I got a bunch of fun stuff Just like checking out there and you know all of my music's on Spotify so I'd really appreciate that links you know in my bio if you go to any of my pages
3: awesome awesome you do too much man
0: that's like i, 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 I got to get to the money bro
3: yeah i get it i get it uh george where can we find you what do you got coming up anything you want to plug That's, that's, that's way too, like, the again, the fact that you said you play as much video games as you watch TV, I'm like, 48 hours in a day? <laughs> okay. <laughs> awesome. 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 And Brie, where can we find you? Uh,
1: I'm on TikTok and Instagram, Bree Hearts Horror. I will say I'm much more active on TikTok, um, make like reviews. I basically just talk about horror movies nine times out of 10. So reviews, just using like silly audios, um, stuff like that. Uh, I'm also on Letterboxd, uh, but I will say my reviews are pretty much never serious. They're very, like, stupid one-liners, uh, but I'm on there under Chef Boyard Bree, um, if you want to follow me there. <laughs> uh, is it
3: Chef Boyard Bree, B-R-E-E, or B-R-I?
1: B-R-I-E.
3: Oh. Okay.
1: Yeah, I made that Letterbox a long time ago before I started going by Bree without the E, so, mm-hmm. and you can't change it on letterbox so
3: yeah one yep. yeah um okay all right chef where <laughs> I, I wasn't expecting that there's two things that surprised <laughs> me today chef for our and the coach carter action figure so <laughs> great um uh, <laughs> i want to shout out uh everybody in our uh youtube uh chat or twitch chat uh twitch is top shelf gaming shout out to top shelf gaming and shout out to modern merlin um out there uh modern merlin did chat saying that Nightskins is a full homebrew D&D race because of neo soul god oh okay i don't know all the words that are that are in that but like i assume that makes <laughs> sense to uh you know at least one person um uh but thank you everybody for coming on thank you everybody out there for watching definitely follow Bree, follow johnson follow george um, if you want to follow the keeg you can follow us on instagram and tiktok at the keeg show we're also on facebook and twitter and threads and all that at the keeg show slash the keeg show whatever if you're watching us live you're watching us on twitch.tv slash the keeg show or youtube.com slash the keeg show or you're listening to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from apple Podcasts, google play soundcloud spotify and iHeartRadio. we're all over the place like comment subscribe follow write a review hopefully a really good review let us know that you're out there that you're listening that you're watching um this is the key talks it's a different topic every single week this week we technically have two we're talking avatar tomorrow at 6 p.m pacific 9 p.m eastern Um, but we also have a weekly thursday comic talk that we do as well as well as a monthly x-men catch-up called state of x so, you know, a lot of shows out there for you guys to watch uh, and or listen to. Uh, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys once again for being on here. Thank you guys so much for watching. Once again, I'm your host, Dimitri Pereira, and this has been the Key Talks, Black Characters in Fiction. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Later. But fast, gotta beat the boss and get the loot, cause it's the key.